Glory to God. Good to see you all here. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Ethel put us in remembrance of a good thing here this morning. Be a wide receiver. I forgot about that one. That was good. Phyllis <laughs> taught that some time ago. It's a good thing to keep in, in our remembrance. Hallelujah. Well, you can turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. We're going to be over there looking at a particular story about our beliefs. There was a nun who uh, claimed to have had a vision. And so when she brought it to the, the folks that were there, the, the bishop who was overseeing the, the things that were going on there, he didn't really believe her. He didn't believe that she had a vision, but she said she had a vision of, of Jesus. And so he said, um, this is what I want you to do. He said, the next time that you have a vision of Jesus, I want you to ask him, what was the sin I struggled with before I got saved? And so uh, a few days later, she came back and he said, have you had a vision? He said, yes. Did you ask him? I did. What did he say? He said he doesn't remember. <laughs> now, I bring that story up a couple of times for a couple of reasons. One, it's a funny story. But number two is we've been talking about beliefs. How many, don't, don't use your outside hands on this one, just use your inside hands on this one, because then you get embarrassed, you know, and I'm supposed to raise my hand on what's, what's the right answer, all that sort of stuff. How many of you believe that God, when we sin and we ask for forgiveness, how many believe that he forgets it? All right, did you get your, your hand raised up on that one, whether you did or not? Now, here's the thing. Remember Jesus told a parable? We're talking about beliefs, bad beliefs, beliefs that hold you back. Sometimes we have beliefs that are not founded in anything in the Word of God. But I would bet that that is a, that is a belief that most of you say would be in the Word of God. How many remember the scriptures that say, I will remember your sins no more? Yeah. If that is the inter proper interpretation of that scripture, if that is truly how we are to remember the, what the uh, principle... Let me ask you this question. Remember in the New Testament, Jesus was teaching a parable about forgiveness. And he said a man came and he owed a, a multi-million dollar debt. And the, he, he pled, pled for forgiveness. He said, please give me time and I will repay you the whole debt. And the, the, uh, the ruler, the king, he said, you know what? I'm going to forgive you that debt. And you are, you are released from that debt. How many remember that story? And then he went back out and he found someone else who owed him 20 bucks. And he says, no, you will repay me. And if not, I will put you in jail. And he put him in jail. And some of the people who knew what had just happened came to the king and they said, do you know what happened? He had, and they related the story of what he had done. What did the king do when he brought him in his presence? Do you remember what he did? Did he not put him in remembrance of the sin of the unforgiveness that was, was there? Did he not do that? How is it that Jesus told a parable about a king who forgave and then remembered it again if the principle in the word of God is he will remember your sins no more? Anybody ever ask that question? No? All right, we can go on then some. No. Well, we don't want to answer a question you don't want, you don't want the answer to. <laughs> no, there's a reason for it. The word of God says that he will remember your sins against you is the proper context to remember that in. That he will not remember your sins against you. But if you fall, think about Israel. Israel, when they fell out, they remember how many times they repented for idolatry? 
How many times did they repent for idolatry? And yet, God would forgive them when they came back and repented, didn't he? But when he brought them into judgment, what did he bring them into judgment for? All the times they walked in idolatry. If God was not to forgive, if God was to forgive and completely forget and not remember anymore, how can he go back and remember what he had forgiven? It's very simple, folks. We're not, we don't serve a forgetful God. We serve a God who is able to remember your sins. But because you have asked for forgiveness and walk in the way that he told you to for forgiveness, he will remember your sins against you never. Glory to God. <laughs> your, your stand at judgment is not based upon his memory. It's based upon what you have done according to the word of God. Thank the Lord for that. Because, now let's look at this. How many of you have ever missed something in, the, in your walk with God? Just messed up something, missed up something. And uh, later on, you, you learned a lesson from it. Yes, for forgiveness a bit for it. But then some years later, God says, it brings, you, you bring that thing to memory. And God says, yes, you see how this, and he showed you some things from it so that you didn't mess up again. How could he do that if he can't remember? The thing is, folks, he's not out to not remember. He's out to not remember it against you anymore. Thank God for that. But you see, we have a lot of beliefs that we've adopted on the inside, and they will hold us back. I'm going to show you one. This is a real fun one because this is a particular belief that the person who had it did not think it held him back at all. In fact, this person believed this more strongly than you believe most of the things that you do. And I'll prove it to you from the Word of God. Acts chapter 10. Are you there? We have been looking, remember last, last week we looked at the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt. Candy told me she found the album. So you want to go back to Egypt. It's a, it's a, I still have all mine, put them all, have them all on my phone. I listened to them. Three decades, probably more than four decades. I think he's four decades old. He's a long time ago. He was a long time ago. But I still, still like to listen to some of those. We saw that we have faulty beliefs. Where they come from? A faulty belief comes from a false or incomplete memory. We use that as an example. You know, when you get in trouble in marriage and you're mad at your spouse. How many of you, especially in the younger days, you're only married a year or two years, something like that, you get mad at your spouse. How many begin to think of an old girlfriend or boyfriend and you said, I never had that problem? <laughs> when there was a reason why you broke up. <laughs> we don't remember that. We just go back to, I don't know, I've never had that problem. Our memory is faulty. We don't remember the bad stuff. We just remember the good. That's what Israel was doing. Their memory was faulty. We want to go back to Egypt where we had all the leeks and garlics we wanted to eat. Uh, really? <laughs> well, it was so good back there. I don't know why we ever left. False or incomplete truth. Sometimes we believe something on a false truth or an incomplete truth. That belief will hold you back. Sometimes we have a false or inaccurate conclusion. Sometimes we have come to a conclusion that's, that's false. You know, a doctor could come to you and he could tell you, you have this and this going on in your body. Therefore, you will be dead in two years. Now, that conclusion is not necessarily right. His facts might be right. You might have this and this wrong with your body. But it doesn't mean that, that conclusion is true. So don't buy into a conclusion, especially one that's false or incomplete. Go back to the Word of God talked about how a hindering belief can be neutralized. First off, 
You've got to identify the truth. You've got to hear truth and identify it. This is truth. This is truth. You have to believe it is truth. Just because you hear truth, if you don't identify it as truth, it's not going to help you. If you don't say, that's, I believe that. That's, that's right. Identify the truth, which will expose the false. Without light, folks, you can't get out of darkness. You're not going to be able to get a discovery. Then change your belief. Once you find out this is the truth, you need to change your belief and believe that instead of something different. Then think, speak, and act out of this. All right. Um, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. When he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Now I always look back to see when was the last time we taught on this. And I was thinking I just taught on this about a year or two ago. We went through the entire books of Acts in the, the Wednesday night series. And I thought, that couldn't have been long, longer than that. Do you know it was longer than that? I was surprised. It was, always, it was about four years ago. So it's about time to come on back to this. And besides, most of you folks don't come out on Wednesday night. So, that, <laughs> so it gives you a good reason to, to go through this. But this is a great story for a lot of different reasons. First off, we get a description of Cornelius. He is a devout man. He's one who feared God. He gave alms. He prayed to God always. Verse 22 tells us he's one who feared God. Verse 30 tells us he even fasted. Now, you know you're serious if you're fasting. He had a vision at about the ninth hour. That's about 3 p.m. He saw clearly in the vision, it said to us. And it says, send for Simon. He will tell you what you must do. Now, here's something. I put this in your outline for you. The angel gives him specific instructions for an unspecified reward. He gives him specific instructions for an unspecified reward. Put it to you this way. How many of you would, would do this if your employer came to you and said, I need you to work 10 hours of overtime next week. 10 hours of overtime next week. And when you're done, I'll give you some kind of a bonus. But it's not defined. How many of you want that defined before you decide to spend 10 extra hours at work. Wait a minute. What do you mean you will give me some kind of a bonus? Are we talking about $10? Are we talking about a gift certificate to a local restaurant? What are we talking about here? You want to get that defined. But here, the angel gives very specific instructions as to what to do, but doesn't really say what the reward will be, other than he'll tell you what to do. Hmm. But he doesn't. If you need to know all the details before you obey God, you will miss God more than you, than you obey God. Because sometimes he doesn't give us the exact specifics of the reward. Sometimes he does. But you will know how mature you are by how much you need to know about the reward. See, here's the problem. You don't trust in the master. Now, we can think of this in the lines of the, the sports arena. Uh, even if we haven't played sports, we can pretty much picture this, what's going on. We watched movies. 
We have watched movies. I know some of my favorite movies are football movies. Ethel and I always talk about Blindside. It's one of our favorite movies. We love the Blindside. But when you had the Blindside and the guy's learning how to play the position, and uh, a coach comes up to him, one coach comes up, he didn't have the real confidence in that coach to have his best interest. But when he had confidence in someone who had their, his best interest, whatever he spoke to him, he did it. You have to have that confidence in God that what he speaks to you, regardless of whether you know the reward or not, you have such a confidence in him that you know, if I obey, I know it would be better. And that's all you need to know. That's what Cornelius did. Learn to obey God at least as good as Cornelius did. It will help you. Verse 7, when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So he immediately sends a delegation. Doesn't wait on this. Doesn't check it out with people. He heard from God. He saw clearly and he sent it out. So verse 9, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on a housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and waited to eat. But while they all made ready, he fell into a trance. Now, where is Peter staying? We covered that in the last verse. didn't really make a point of it. Peter is staying at the house of a tanner. Peter is a good Jewish boy who grew up under all the Old Testament rules about how Jewish families were to operate. He is staying at the house of a tanner. Anyone know what a tanner is? This is somebody who takes animals, takes their uh, uh, skins and dries them and makes all these kind of things out of dead animals. So he is staying at the home of someone who makes things out of dead animals. So what do you think is around the house? There's dead animals all over. Clean and unclean. He's staying there in the house with all this stuff going on. See, he's not in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, this might not happen. But here, it, it could be happening. And so he's got all this stuff that's going on. Dead animals, all sorts of stuff. And he decides to go. You can't understand why he went to the roof. He went up to the roof and just some time to pray. They're preparing dinner down there. I wonder if he wonders, wonder what they're cooking. <laughs> wonder what they're making up down there. Well, he was pretty sure they were going to stay within his dietary things because he would check this out. And we know this from this uh, verse that's coming up here. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. How many of you have been very, very hungry and wanted to eat? I mean, that's pretty basic, isn't it? Have you ever gotten so busy that you just didn't, um, you just didn't eat? Yeah. And you know, there's lots of reasons that we, we go through that. Sometimes it's not because food isn't available. It's just because we're busy. You know, yesterday we had a, one of those things. And I don't know, if, when you like to, to run long distances, you have to be very careful about what you eat and when you eat it. Very careful. So you just kind of normally do these things. And so I was getting to the spot where I knew I was going to be able to, to get a little bit of time to run. And so I thought, well, this is lunchtime. If I eat now, it's going to be too soon. So it's better for me that I just skip lunch. So I had a little bit for breakfast, skip lunch. By the time dinner came around, I was, I was relating to the scripture. I was very hungry. Very hungry. And uh, my wife made up this. We've never made this before. Oh, man. 
I could not eat enough of it. I said, if I let myself go and just eat all I will want, there will be none for everyone else. <laughs> so I actually ended up going to bed hungry because uh, I would have just devoured the entire thing and just eaten it all up. It was this rice and there was this nice cheesy gravy that went on top of it and, and uh, chicken cooked over there. Oh, it's just so good. I'll tell you what, it was, it was great. And I had a couple of pieces of chicken and about three helpings of rice and that was not enough. I could have eaten a lot more than that. But um, the granddaughter really liked the rice too. And so she was, uh, I said, I can't eat it all and not, her, not let her have her fill of, fill of rice. But I know what this is like. And you know what it's like too. You are hungry. Everything about you says, I need to eat. I'm going to, I'm going to faint. I need to eat. This is where he's at. He became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, there is nothing worse. Nothing worse. I don't think there's anything worse than this. When you are so hungry, you are ready to eat and they are still cooking the meal. This might be one of the reasons why he went upstairs outside on the roof. Because when you are smelling the food, what do you want to do? You want to eat it. Now, I say all that just to get you into the, in the state of mind. How spiritual do you think Peter is right now? I think he is very aware of his natural needs. Sometimes we think in order for us to hear from God and to do things, we have to be so spiritual, be in a place of worship and just mindful of nothing else. No, you can be hungry and wanting to eat. And he fell into a trance. Don't ever sell God short that he can't speak to you right where you're at. And don't ever let the enemy tell you you're not spiritual enough to hear from him. You are. If Peter could hear from him in this situation, in the house of a tanner, hungry, going upstairs to get away from the smell, fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have... What's that word? I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Now, why has he never eaten anything common or unclean? Because he's been taught you're not supposed to do it. He's got the Jewish law and the Jewish law says all these animals and these are unclean animals. Don't eat these and these are clean animals. And he is able to say, I have never eaten anything unclean or common. How many of you believe a, a certain thing? You believe that you should not run a red light. How many of you believe that you should not run a red light? We can use our outside hands on that. Yeah, I believe that. How many of you have never run a red light? Isn't that kind of amazing? We have the belief that we should not run a red light. But it seems that we've all run them. How many of you have a belief that you should not speed? Not quite as many on that one. Not quite as many. How many have never sped? Never gone over the speed limit. So we got that going for us there. How many of you believe that McDonald's food is bad for you? How many of you have ever eaten at McDonald's? 
<laughs> so why is it that we can have these beliefs but still have actions that are against those things? Because apparently the belief, though strong, is not that strong. And we can keep on going. You can name some other things that you believe to be true. But, hmm. but he says this. He's not just saying it to you and me. He is saying this to God. It better be true if you're saying it to God. He says to God, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Now, how many of you can say, This is a pretty strong belief of Peter, that I should never eat anything common or unclean. I would dare say this, folks, that Peter's belief of not eating anything common or unclean probably dwarfs most of our beliefs on things. He is that strong because he can say, I have never. Where is he staying? In the home of a tenor who probably kills all kinds of things and they probably don't suffer from the same or put themselves under the same dietary restrictions that he does. Probably comes in there and says, look, here's a, uh, you can do anything you want. Just don't feed me. <laughs> I don't eat those things. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. I think this is particular fun because if you come into a home of a tanner and people who are used to cooking all kinds of things and you don't ever, you, your belief is I shouldn't and you were able to say I have never, then more than likely when he came in, he had the conversation with the people. Right? How many of you don't like certain foods? There are certain foods I just don't like. I'm not saying that the foods are bad. I'm just saying I don't like them. My family is well aware of what kind of foods I don't like. They like to go to certain places to, to, to eat. And if they go there, and there's one time they were going to this one restaurant, I do not like the food. It's not that restaurant. It's just that type of food. I just don't like the food. And I said, look, I'll go with you, but I'm not eating anything. I'll just sit there. Sitting in the restaurant made me ill. That's how much I don't like that food. So I, I told him, next time you go, I'm staying home. I'll go and do something else. That's, just, that's not, uh, not for me. There's a, and there's a number of fruits. It's not just one or two. There's a bunch of them. You all know, know I let you know because it's for fun. You know. You know, cook cabbage. Ugh. Any kind of cabbage. Cook it. I don't like it. Raw, great. Coleslaw is delicious. Sauerkraut is awful. And I'm pretty consistent with that. You know. But I have these things. But you know, when you go into a place, if you don't want to eat sauerkraut, then you better let them know. You know, that's part of my self-defense mechanisms because, you know, if somebody invites you over to dinner and they want to give you certain things, they better know what you don't like. If you invited me over to your house for dinner and you had sauerkraut on the menu, I would know it before we even got in the house. And I may turn around and go. <laughs> now, my father loved sauerkraut. Mom used to make it for him. And, oh, I dreaded those days. Oh, didn't like it then. Still don't like it now. Just don't like it. There was, a, there was a time I ordered a sandwich. I missed that it had sauerkraut on it. Missed it. They did not see that it, that it had it on there. And um, oh, I'll tell you what. Took a bite of that stuff. Oh, man. That was not a good day. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten 
anything common or unclean. Now, isn't it in the Jewish law not to eat this kind of food? So why is God telling him to go against the word? And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, most of the time that we have looked at this story, thought about this story, pondered on this story, most of the time we look at this, we are thinking about the dietary rules being reversed. How many, that's what you think, you look at this, dietary rules have been reversed and we can now eat pork. Glory to God, bacon is on the menu. Amen. That's right. Bacon is good. Bacon is good. We were over at a, a, a place. Um, we went out to, to this re- Mexican. I love Mexican restaurants. Love Mexican food. And they had a little bowl of heaven. A little bowl of heaven this was. This was a guacamole. And they wanted a lot of money for the guacamole. And so I said, well, we're not going to order that. We'll just make it some time at home. And my daughter somehow snuck it out and she got the order. So it came on in. But they had options for, for guacamole. You couldn't just, you could just order regular guacamole or you could get it with other things added in. And one of the things that you could add in to the guacamole was bacon. bacon. I looked at that and says, I love bacon. I love guacamole. Do not mix them together. I just couldn't understand that. We do not need bacon in our guacamole. If you like bacon in your guacamole, I apologize for that, but I just couldn't picture that. Fortunately, it came just guacamole. Oh, that stuff is good. Oh, I tell you what. I could eat that pretty much every day. That is, uh, it's good for you too, from what I understand. I believe it is good for you. <laughs> don't, don't try and mess with that. <laughs> anyway. We think looking at the story, that this is the main part of this story. This has absolutely so little to do with this story. We have completely missed what this whole chapter is getting at because we focused on the dietary rules and that pulled pork is now legal. (laughs) And we're all excited about those kind of things. But that's not what this is about. This verse helps us understand what this is about. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. It does not say what God has called cleansed, does it? What God has cleansed, do not call common. Does he say that Peter must eat it? Really, in this passage, nowhere does he say that he must eat it. He just says, arise, kill and eat. He doesn't have to, but what God does say is, Peter... What God has cleansed, you must not call common. What did Peter say? Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. What did he do? He called what God brought down to him common or unclean. And he says, Peter... That's something you're not going to do anymore. What I have cleansed, you shall not call common or unclean. And so the dietary rules, yes, were suppressed. Were, uh, we don't, uh, 
God said we can go past them anymore because God has now cleansed them. They weren't cleansed before, but now they are. But the purpose here is not that. We'll show it to you here as we keep on going. This was done three times and the object was taken up into heaven. Now, anytime something happens to Peter three times, what does everyone go back to? That he denied him three times. You know, Jesus comes and he says to, to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. He says, feed my sheep, right? And three times he says that. Why does he say that? Because three times Peter denied him and three times God has bringing him. No, that's garbage. Why don't we just go over to the beginning? God is not going to remember your sins against you. But that's not what he did that for. That's just a side note. I wasn't planning on getting into this. But do you know that's not what that passage was talking about at all? Do you know that Jesus did not ask him the same thing three times, though in your Bible he says it three times the same way? Peter, do you love me? That's not what he says. What he says is, is, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. And he says to him, feed my sheep. I forget the order of this, but there's also a tend my sheep. And there was different, different things even in the parts with the sheep. But when he says to him the second time, he says to him, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. And then he says to him the third time. And the third time, Jesus said to him, Peter, do you phileo me? And the word of God tells us, he says, and Peter said, or Peter was sad because the Lord had said to him the third time. You remember reading that? He said to him the third time, do you phileo me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things and you know that I phileo you. In other words, God was saying to him, do you hit this level of love with me? And Peter says, I'm not quite there yet. I'm at this level. And he said to him a second time, are you at this level? I'm not quite there yet. I'm at this level. He says, Peter, are you at that level? He says, you know, that's the level I'm at with you. And he still told him to tend my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Different things he told him each time. He was not bringing a remembrance of the three times that he betrayed him. He was talking about the three times that he asked them different questions. And here it happens three times. Why does it happen three times? One, God wants to emphasize it. But two, there are three people that are coming. And the three may have been more in relation to the three people that were coming than anything else. Remember how many, time, how many people he sent? Two servants and a soldier. That was three. So this was done three times. So I, I have never eaten anything common or unclean. That would include today, wouldn't it? Put these in your outline. That Peter believes so strongly in this, in this that he can say he has never gone against this belief. What is this belief founded on? It's founded on the Word of God. Isn't it? It's in the Old Testament. How quickly would you give up something that you knew was in the Word of God? How quickly would you give it up? What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Put this in your outline for you. Him saying something contrary to God's, God's declaration is what's in view here. Not him eating or abstaining. It's him saying something contrary to God's declaration. And the vision was presented 
three times. Let's go on. Verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, if the vision was just about taking certain foods and making them now clean, would you have to ponder this? No, we wouldn't have to ponder that at all. While Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So the vision happens. He's pondering the vision. What does this mean? Why has God showed me this? Verse 18, And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Now, can you imagine getting this assignment? You've got a boss. You like this boss. This boss is a good boss. And this boss calls you in and said, I just had a vision. An angel appeared to me. And he told me that if you go to this house and ask for Simon, he will come with us. How many of you are going to take that assignment? If I were to come to you and say, look, go over to Warminster. And over in Warminster, go to this street and then go to this house. And when you get to there, ask for this person. And, uh, and that would happen. I love the story that Lester Semrall. I may have never heard of Lester Semrall. Anybody never heard of? Boy, a lot of people never. Uh, he's he's uh, passed on now. What a, what a guy. This is how he cut his teeth in ministry. He, uh, he was in a meeting with, um, oh, his name will come to me in just a, just a little while. Um, no, it wasn't Smith and Wigglesworth. It was somebody, somebody different from that. But um, he, was, he was in the meeting, and this man had a prophecy over him. In that prophecy, he said a lot of things that uh, Brother Sumrall had, uh, had said or vice versa, whatever it was. And so after the meeting, they came to him and he, he says, I want to go with you to where it is that you're going. And he says, well, that's fine. If you want to, uh, you know, he had to go home and take care of some things. He said, if you want to, then I want you to, I think he was going over to the Philippines or he was going over to China. He was going over to someplace, um, someplace like that. And so uh, he says, meet me over there in, um, gave him a time, three months, four months. I don't know what it was. If you pick up his book, you can get all the details. It's been a while since I read that story. And so he got all his details in order, quit his job, packed his stuff that he needed, and he headed on out to California. He's in California. He's ready to book passage on a boat for China or the Philippines or whichever one he was supposed to go to. And as he was booking passage for the boat, in his spirit, it was bothering him and saying, don't go to wherever it was he was going. Don't go. He said, what? I'm supposed to go. I don't, I don't understand. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to meet him. He's expecting me. Don't go there. And said, well, then where am I supposed to go? And all that came up on his spirit was go to the bottom of the earth. Well, what's the bottom of the earth? And he, he thought for a while. He says, well, I've heard Australia mentioned in that way. And so he uh, booked passage on a boat. Now, that's not real quick. You know, it's not like a plane. You get over there in a couple hours. You know, you, he booked passage on a boat got on the boat and made the ride over to Australia. The whole time he's going over there, this is going through his mind. You are now going to a continent. You don't know anyone. No one knows you're coming. And you're just going to go to this place and then find this person or do whatever it is that God says to do. But he, he just kept on. Of course, you're on a boat. You don't really have any choice. He just, <laughs> he got off the boat. He goes, uh, he says, now what am I supposed to do? No one knows I'm here. There's no cell phones. There's no way to get a message over there. No one knows. So he says, what should I do? So he says, um, he walks around the town. He says, is there a church around where the people praise God like this? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one. And they pointed to where it was. 
And so he went over to the church where they worship God like this. And he saw off on the property, he saw a house. And he thought this must be the parsonage where the pastor lives. And so I, I'll go to the pastor and we'll see where we can get started. So he went over and he knocked on the door of the parsonage of the church of the people who worship like that. And as he opened the door, this big guy greeted, greeted him at the door. And he says, hello, you must be Lester Summerall. <laughs> and the guy who's supposed to meet him, I still doesn't come to me. It's almost, it's almost there. He does a lot of things on the gifts of the Spirit. And I, I can't think of his, uh, he's written some books and, and things. Um, it'll come to me before long. He said, so-and-so sent me to meet you. <laughs> now that's being led by the Spirit, isn't it? See, it's possible. It's out there. And here it is in the Word of God. These folks were told exactly where to go, and they went. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now, put yourself in Peter's shoes here. If you were in a stranger's house, in a strange city, and three men came to the door, knocked on the door, and asked for you, would that get your attention? Yeah, but God still had to tell Peter, three men are coming. The rest, go with them. Go with them. Doubting nothing. If those three people came to you and had a story, Cornelius had a vision and an angel told him to come here and get you. Would you do it? Well, Peter was told by the Spirit of God. We're not told how the Spirit of God told him. We're just told the Spirit of God said to him, go with them, doubting nothing. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to this house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged, lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Verse 24. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives, his close friends, and Peter. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet. So he comes into the, the meeting. He's expecting Cornelius. He's expecting to, to see Cornelius. And what he sees is all of Cornelius' relatives and all of his close friends. If you came into a meeting, you were expecting to meet with one, two, three people. And all of a sudden, there's a hundred Changes the dynamic of the meeting, doesn't it? It's not quite what you expected. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. See, the purpose of the vision was not about food. It was about people. 
Then he said to him, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with, a, with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then, For what reason have you sent for me? Now, this is another fun part of this story. Here it is. You were up in the roof. You have this trance you fall in. You get this great vision. These three men come asking specifically for you because an angel told him to send for you here at this place and that you would be here. And you have a vision or a voice from uh, the Spirit of God speaks to you somehow. And he says, go with them, daddy, nothing. And so you go because someone has called you. If someone has called you and someone says, brother, will you come to my house? Because God has said that you need to come to my house. Don't you think that I've got some questions? I've got some need. I've got something that I want to pull from you. I would think that. And so Peter gets there and Peter has that exact same expectation. Look at what he says here. Therefore, I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? Why am I here? You know, if your boss calls you into the office, says, I need you to come into my office one o'clock today, you show up at the one o'clock and you say to the boss, what? What's on your mind? The boss called you into his office, her office, whoever your boss is, and says, need to meet with you. You sit down. So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. Now Cornelius was fasting and he heard from God. Peter was hungry and wanted to eat. He was not fasting. They just didn't make the food ready in time. That's it. So one was being spiritual and one was not. And they both heard from God. Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in, the bright, in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things God commanded you to say. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. This is like sitting down in the boss's office. The boss says, come into my office at one o'clock. We're going to, we need to have a meet. You sit down and the boss says, what's on your mind? Nothing's on my mind. You asked me to come into your office at one o'clock. I'm here at the office. It's one o'clock. What do you have to go over? Absolutely nothing. What's on your mind? Doesn't that seem kind of funny? So Peter comes in and he says, look, I came. Now, why did you send for me? And they say, we sent for you because we want you to tell us what God commanded you to tell us. Can you see there's a problem here? God told him to go, but did God tell him anything to say? And they apparently don't have any specific questions because all God said to him was, he'll come and he'll tell you what to do. But apparently God left that part out. He didn't tell them. When you get there, tell them these things. Or Peter would have just started. Here's the things that God told me to tell you. He didn't do that. He says, why did you call me? Why did you want me to come here? 
Now, if you go on, you can keep on going on the rest of the story here if you want to. But in verse 34, verse 34, I, I love this, verse 34. Pull it up on the screen if you could, if you would. Verse 34 says this. Then Peter opened his mouth and said. How many of you all know when you open your mouth and say things and you don't know what you're going to say, you can get yourself in trouble? How many of you have ever opened up your mouth and said and regretted it? How many times have we seen Peter open up his mouth and say things? Remember the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is there. Elijah is there. Moses is there. And they're at a loss for words. So Peter opened his mouth and said, It is good for us to be here. Let us build a tabernacle. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And a voice from heaven came down and said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. In other words, shut up. Isn't that what he's saying? Just in a nice way. Just be quiet. When Jesus began to teach them why he, that he was going to be uh, tortured and uh, beaten and then crucified and raised on the third day. Remember, Peter took him aside and Peter opened his mouth and said, you shouldn't speak this way. And what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That didn't work out so well, did it? How many times does Peter open his mouth and say things and what comes out is not good? If you were God, if you were God and you had your entire, all the, dispo, all the people out there that were around on Acts chapter 10 that you could pick from, that they could send for and bring in, how many of you are picking Peter? Especially if you're not telling them what to say. How many people in the New Testament do you want to be put into a room with a bunch of people who, who want to know the gospel but just don't know it and are very open to receive? How many of you want to put Peter in there based on the experiences we've seen so far? But who did God pick? He picked Peter. <laughs> Remember the things Jesus said to him? Peter, do you love me? Yeah, because he knew, I can rely on you, Peter. I can rely on you. Remember when he to told him, he said, you're going to deny me three times. Peter did. Um, said, no, 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 it's not going to happen. He says, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed that when you return, that you would strengthen your brethren. And who does he go get? He gets Peter. Most of us have Peter on the B team. If you can't get anybody else, go get Peter. But God didn't. In the very next verse, and Peter opened up his mouth and said, and he began to, to, to speak, to preach. Very good message. How many sermons of people other than those named Jesus are in the Bible. That's your homework assignment. Go back to the Word of God and find out how many sermons are recorded in the Bible by someone other than Jesus. Well, when you find out what that number is, here's one of them. 
Peter. Get you? I'm going to tell you this. It's not a very high number. This one made it. It's got to be a good one then, right? Let me put it to you in some other translations. Here's the message translation of verse 33. So I did it. I sent for you and you've been good enough to come. And now we're all here in God's presence ready to listen to whatever the Master put in your heart to tell us. The Amplified, to listen to all that you have been instructed by the Lord to say. The New Living Translation, to hear the message the Lord has given you. The ESV, to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And one other, to listen to everything the Lord has ordered you to say. If you heard something like that, if you came in and you had a conversation with someone, it said, we are prepared to hear all that God told you to tell us, and yet God had told you nothing. Would that make you scared? A little bit nervous? Peter doesn't bat an eye. Immediately, he just goes right in. And Peter opened his mouth and said, and a sermon came out of what exactly that God... How do you know it's exactly what God wanted? Because it made the Bible. You know it was exactly what He wanted to be said. Now here's a real interesting thing about this. God needed Peter to grow and prune something that was not causing Peter any problems. Was the... Dietary rules and restrictions, was it causing any problems for Peter? Not a thing. Not a thing. He was just fine. I bet you even after this, Peter did not go off and eat pork. That's just, uh, I have nothing really to base that on, but I'm pretty sure that even after this, he didn't go off and eat pork. This is something that was not causing him any problems, but God was dealing with him on the rooftop about this. I put this in your outline for you. But as long as it was with him, it would hinder what God wanted to do through Peter. As long as that thought was there. And so he, he brought this thing down with all the food and then he hit him with this. What God has cleansed, do not call common or unclean. And he meditated on it and found out God is talking about people. And I cannot look at any person, Jew or Gentile, and think of them as common or unclean. Now this is a more advanced stage of pruning. This is a much more advanced stage of pruning than most of us are used to. Most of us are used to this. So this is, tell me this describes your walk with God. You're walking in your spiritual life. You're going about things. And all of a sudden you run into a problem. You don't understand something in the Word. Something happened in your life that you don't understand. Or... There's something that you want to change. And then you go to God and you say, God, I need to change this. I need to understand this. And you come to God with the problem and say, God, please enlighten me. Is that? You've been there with, with that one? Yeah, that's where most of us are and the way most of us walk. But God has a different way of doing things. If you continue to only operate in that mode, you won't get as far as God wants you to go. What God wants you to do, he wants to not just prune and to alter and to change because of the problems and circumstances you have in life. 
He wants to prune and alter and get you ready for what is coming so that when the opportunity comes, you know exactly what to do. Jesus was, the Lord was working on Peter way ahead of time. So that when the opportunity came, he would know. Now think of it this way. How many of you, if you're thinking back over the years, if you're, you're old enough to remember this, you know, the stock markets came out. How many of you have ever thought back and said, oh, I wish I bought stock in Microsoft. Have you ever thought that? I wish, oh, I wish I bought, I wish I bought stock in Apple. Oh, yeah. I, and you can think of all the different companies who they just soared. If you would have just bought stock in them when they first came out, things would be different for you now, wouldn't they? They would be different. And we've often, thought, you know, we think of the, the movies. Um, uh, what's that, that one, um, the Back in Time one with Michael Fox? I can't even think of it now. Back to the Future, that's it. Back to the Future and the guy, uh, uh, Biff, the, the bully. He gets a hold of that book for the sports betting. He goes back in time and he starts making all the money because he knows what the, what's going to happen. Remember, remember that? And we think about, oh, I wish I could have gone back and just based on what I know now and made decisions. You ever had that dream? Ever thought, oh, man. I... That's the kind of life God wants you to have because he wants to prepare you for opportunities before they come so when the opportunity presents itself you say I'm ready and you just jump in how many of you have ever been in a spot you thought this is a good opportunity you thought the Lord of God Lord was leading you into thing and here this opportunity is presented you, you hear they say we want you to do this or go here and, do, and you hear that opportunity you say okay I appreciate that I'm going to go and pray about this you ever said that what you're saying is I did not know about this and I am not prepared to answer you right now. Now, what would happen if God were to deal with you and say, so-and-so is going to come up with this opportunity. When they do, it's good to go. And they come to you and they do that. Isn't that cool? First time I learned this principle was back when I was in the church. And the, the Lord dealt with me. He says, they're going to come and they're going to ask you to be the youth pastor. I said, oh, really? I said, should I say yes? And he says, yes, you should say yes. And so they came to me and they said, we want you to pray about this. We want you to consider taking over and being the youth pastor. I said, I don't have to pray about it. I can say yes right now. And I was able to say yes right now. Happened with another position in the same church. God said, they're going to come and they're going to ask you. And they told me what it was going to ask me. And when they, do, I, when, when they do, should I say yes or should I say no? And she said, say yes. So when they came and they, they said that, I didn't have to go away and pray about it. I told them right away, that's fine. I'll do it. That's the first time I started learning that God will start dealing and giving you things ahead of time. You know, how much better would it be if you knew all the problems your kids were going to face ahead of time and either prepared them for it or were ready when they came? Wouldn't you like that? Yeah, well, you're dealing with a God who knows the past, the present, and the future. You're dealing with a God who can help you out with that sort of thing. Just You've got to expect it from him, and you've got to learn that, that he'll do that. He just did it for you here in Acts chapter 10, didn't he? It's not the only place. He's done it in many other places before. Here's where we get, get at with this. Pruning initially involves removing the things that hinder us. 
And most of the time we think about pruning, we think about those things, those sins, those problems, those beliefs that are in my life that are hindering me. But as we grow, it can also include the things that, God, that, that hinder God to work in us. There are some things that God wants, you to, wants to do in your life that you don't even know about yet because you can't even conceive of it because of the things that are in your life to hinder you. But as God removes those hindrances and takes those things out, all of a sudden your eyes are now open to see and you're able to hear what it is that God is saying to you. But some of you are in the same position that Peter was. You've got something that you believe so strongly that if God were to come and tell you and say, what I have called clean or what I have, clean, what I have cleansed, do not call unclean or common. But, I, but your word told me this. I know this, to be, but your word said this. And all of a sudden our eyes are opened up to understand that word in a whole different... Oh, I didn't see it like that. Oh, now I understand better. Yes, I can see where that and this... Oh, okay. And now see, I'm, I'm released. I'm able to, to see some things and God is now able to use me in some areas. You have got some beliefs, folks, that are not only hindering what you want in your life, they're hindering God from doing what he would do. But his word will come along. His light will shine in. And if you let it, if you be like Peter, and you take something that you believe so strongly that you can say, my entire life, I have not done this. How many believe, don't raise your hands, how many believe that cussing is wrong? And yet, how many can say, I have never cussed in my entire life? <laughs> but Peter could. Before God, he could say it. If Peter could take something that was this strong in him and change it in such a short period of time, so can you. There, is a, there are beliefs that you have about your God that are hindering your growth, your development, and what God can do for you and through you in the future. You need to let God deal with those things. We dealt with some of the some uh, beliefs that some of us have. Some of us have, have shed, you know, some of us believed, used to believe. Well, God doesn't heal everyone. And of course, we're one of those ones that he's not going to heal. That's a false belief. It's not in the word of God. And better it'll hinder you. We looked at other ones as well. They're, they're, they're going to hold you back. They're going to hinder you. Let God speak to you. How's he going to speak to you? You've got to get in the light. You've got to be reading the word of God. Spending some time in prayer. Always listening to God. Because even when you are hungry and smelling food and thinking about nothing, but when you can finally sit down at the table and eat, God can still speak to you. He will speak to you when you're cutting the lawn. He will speak to you when you're preparing dinner. He will speak to you when you're cleaning the house. He will speak to you just about any time. And when he speaks to you, he will give you light for your life. You need to receive that light. 
because you've got some beliefs that are holding you back. We started this whole thing looking at conditions that are in our life, been in there for a long time. Weight, headaches, natural things like that. Spiritual conditions, even self-worth issues. All these kind of things. We've been looking at how do we get things like that that have been around for a long time, how do we get them out? How do we make the change? We looked at our words that we speak. Here's the other part we're working on. That's our beliefs. You have got some deep-seated beliefs that are in your life. They're not founded on anything, but you believe them. Some of you believe, I will always be overweight. Bet you some of you have even said that to yourself. I will always. You've tried, you've tried dieting. You tried getting rid of some. I'm not pointing to you. You've got to be careful about that sort of stuff. You know, I always try to be mindful. <laughs> you, try, you, try, you try dieting. And you've lost some weight, but then it comes back. And after time and time and time again, you begin to say, I just will never lose this weight. Why do you say that? Because I believe it. Why do you believe it? Because of what's been going on. And until you get rid of that belief, it won't change. We've lived a life where all we have is enough money or not enough money for the month. And I've lived in that life so long that I believe that I will never have a job that pays me more money than I need. And I'll, fact, I'll, I'll say it to you this way. If you had an interview and you saw what that job was going to be paying, you immediately on the inside disqualify yourself. You, mean, you begin to think, they won't hire me. I know that you go through the interview process, but you're thinking, they won't hire me. No one's ever paid me that kind of money. No one's ever believed in me like that. And pretty soon that's it's come upon you. I'm not worth that kind of money to someone. It's a belief that you have. That belief is holding you back. You can confess all you want to. I am the head and not the tail. God is going to prosper me. God is going to give through the hands of men. You can say that all you want, but down on the inside you got this belief. You got to change that belief. That belief is holding you back. You believe things about your kids. You believe things about your friends. You believe things about your house. You believe things about your car. You believe things, all kinds of things. Because you believe them, it's holding you back. You've got to find those beliefs, uproot them, and put in new things. We've got more to look at this. We haven't finished this one just yet. But we've got to get rid of these bad beliefs. And the Word of God will identify them for you. And once you start identifying them, you see them begin to fall. You can find all kinds of bad beliefs. That's a bad belief. I know that's not founded on light. That's founded on darkness. Father God, what is your light on this? You'll be able to find them just like that. You'll be able to identify them and get in a way to get rid of them. Would you all stand up with me? Father, you know where we are. You've seen the hands that have been raised before about things that are going on in our lives that we want to see changed. And Father, you want to see them changed too. And you are orchestrating our life to come to the light that we need, to come to the revelation that we need. All we need to do is listen. All we need to do is hear, recognize it as truth, and let it identify the false things that are in our life and get rid of those bad beliefs and replace them with ones that come from you. 
Because when we do, things in our life change. Just as it was with Peter, where all of a sudden Peter can get into a situation where he's expecting they have questions. They're expecting he has something he heard from God. And then all of a sudden, he opens his mouth. And instead of the flesh stuff that came before, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God descended upon him and he spoke the words of God to those people. Such a good message, it made the Word of God. And Father, you can do the same thing for us. We may look at our past. We may say it's always been this way. But it doesn't have to be. We can see the things changed. With every head bowed, if you're here this morning, been here for a few weeks on this, or even if you're just here today. If you can say, I am getting hope that my situation can and will be changed. That describes you. You're getting hope that your situation can and will be changed. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Hope is the beginning. Hope is the beginning, folks. Without hope, our faith has nothing to grab hold of. We've got to have that hope. Father God, continue to paint that picture of hope that no matter what the situation is, no matter what it is that we have been bogged down with or how long we've been bogged down with it, you are in the business of changing things. How many people in the Word of God that we read about were lame from birth and you healed them instantly. They were walking, leaping, and praising God. How many people had conditions for 10 years, 20 years, who all of a sudden came into a change when they met Jesus? Father, you can change our situations too. I thank you for the hope that you build up in us and for the power of your word to change our life and to change our situation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, glory to God. Hope you're enjoying the the series. Hope God is painting some. This is my... My prayer for you folks is that you, you get that hope that whatever is going on in your life, it can change. Got some praise reports here we want to go over with you. Uh, Mary, Grandma Mary has, has, has arrived safe to Nigeria. Yay. <laughs> she sends greetings. She uh, headed out there on Wednesday, got there on Thursday, right? Alexis, uh, thank you, Lord, for traveling grace over the last few weeks as I... Um, oh yeah, I got it now. As I was in <laughs> Iceland, and see, I ought to just pull my glasses out and just just read it. <laughs> it just makes it a. I have the iPad, so I can make this stuff bigger. So I use that sucker, make that thing big, big as I want. Glory to God. <laughs> Traveling grace over the last few weeks, as I was in Iceland and Los Angeles. Yeah, that's uh, they're a little bit of distance apart. After getting my wisdom teeth pulled in November, I had to pay a substantial amount up front. And after a few months, I received more than half of what I paid in a refund from the surgery facility. Woo! Nice. That is a nice thing to have going on. All right. Let's all stand up one more time. We have um, going on here today, we have the end times class. We're going to pick up at 1 o'clock. Give you a little bit of time to go out and get something to eat. Come on back here. We start the book of Revelation today. We're in Revelations chapter 4. We're going to cover the entire chapter. We will get through all chapters of Revelation. We're going to be uh, covering those. So that's going to be today at 1 o'clock. If you want to get something to eat, just come on back here. Nothing else you got to do. Just show up. We'll be here. Wednesday, we are going to be in... Um, col- um, col- no, no, wrong one. Old series. Philippians. Philippians.
Philippians. And uh, oh, I wanted to pull this up. Pull up. Um, oh, I don't know how to how to get. Have you ever heard the, heard the Paul talk about that? I meant to get this beforehand. Paul talked about that, that I might attain to the resurrection of the death. Dead. How many have ever heard Paul teach, Paul in Philippians say, that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead? How many of you have understanding of what that means? No one is bold enough to say anything. But I understand that totally. Doesn't it sound to you like he is saying that I may attain to salvation? That I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, but yet there's no attain. Paul teaches very clearly there's no attaining to salvation. So why does he say that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead? Why is, it, is there any doubt that you will be resurrected? No doubt, right? So why does he say that? Well, if you want to find out, you've got to come out on Wednesday night, 7.30. We're going to get into that. That's just one of the highlights from... Um, from Philippians. I, I was really enjoying this when we're, we're seeing this. It will blow your socks off when you see what's going on with this, this verse of Scripture. But you'll have to be out here on Wednesday night. We'll, we'll have that there. Um, and then Sunday coming up, uh, we have the Cover Dish Dinner. I didn't get to put much in the bulletin about that, but if you're new, we'd love to have you come on out. Uh, if you can, bring a Cover Dish with you, Cover Dish meal, uh, side dish, whatever, enough food for your family. If you can't, just come on out anyway. We always go next door and we get some pizzas and supplement the thing, but we always have more food than we need. Thank God for abundance. <laughs> but we'd love to have you stay on out. Just a good time of fellowship. We go over some things that are, are happening in the church uh, as well. So we'd love to have you come on out here for, for that. The following Sunday is Palm Sunday. And we also have our egg hunt going on that day. And my daughter's going to come up and tell us a few things about that to get us all on, on board with that. Wait, grandson, in tow. I'll be super loud. And super quick. All right. April 9th, our Easter egg hunt and free clothing drive. I've had a couple people come to me because we did change the date early, early on. Um, it is April 9th. It is a Sunday. Yay, Sunday. Nobody's excited about that. Okay. It is 225. Now, here's the deal. Church gets out around now. Two o'clock is with the advertised time. People are going to be here expecting to be ready to go by two. If you have volunteered to have a, a, a station to do something, you will get an email. The, the volunteering means I need you here no later than 1.30 to begin to set up your station. So we're ready to go by two. That gives you time to get changed, bring some clothes, grab some pizza, go to Wendy's, whatever you need. That's enough time to do all of that. Um, and you don't have to go home to get changed. No. You can get changed right here if you, if you want to. Yeah, um, places where you do that. There are still a handful of places I could really use some help. I know a couple of you have said I'll have to let you know closer to the date if I'm available, if I'll be there, so on and so forth. I need you to know today if you're one of those people who can be here, who can give that time. It'll be it's about four hours of time I'm asking for on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I know that kind of takes up your whole Sunday, but hey, we're family. Just come and chill, and we'll be little, we'll be little, we'll have fun. It'll be good. Um, again, if you are able to do that, let me know today. I will get you an email this week with exactly what it is, the spot I need you to do, what it entails. There will be no questions left unanswered. But you got to tell me you can be here. Um, um, on that day, if there's anybody who's already volunteered that is willing to um, <laughs> extend their vehicle to take any of the leftover clothing items that have been donated that day to our donation site, wherever we're giving them after they're done here, that would be wonderful. We, they're all going to be outside. We don't want to have to pack them up and bring them back in to then bring them back out and load a car. 
we want to just get it all done in there. So if anybody can be here, even if it's not a huge, huge trunk, but you know you can fit a box in, that would be a huge help. Um, you can still make your closing donations through this week. This is the last Sunday because next weekend we're starting the sorting. So if you're here Wednesday night, if you're here Thursday, if you live close to myself or pastor's house and you want to drop them off there, that's fine. <coughs> Clothes, shoes, wallets, purses, handbags, little ones to big ones, whatever you got, as long as it's in good condition, no holes, no stains. If it's kind of stinky, just throw it in the washer with your next load and then bring them in here. Um, we have... Okay. So we have eggs on order. Eggs are coming. Eggs are not here yet. It's a lot of eggs. So when it co- once they come in, if you want to be part of the egg filling committee or you know you can take 300 eggs home and fill them while you're watching TV, let egg me know. Team. Egg filling team. Okay, we have a team. Um, let me know. I will send you the, the blast. Hey, emergency, eggs are here. Come get them. Fill them. We'll, we'll supply everything. Everything's supplied. We just need scans to put them in. I have 2,000 eggs on order. Um, How many also, kids? How many kids? We have just under 100 kids registered right now for the Easter egg hunt, not including, including our Zoe. Yeah, that's thing. just the registered ones. That's not the ones that are planning on coming. Yeah. That's just the registered ones. Now, those are the ones who've registered online. We have um, flyers that are going out. We have people that are sharing things and passing things on. It could be 7,000. I don't know. And we're going to have a really cool petting zoo out here that will attract attention along with pony rides. Yes. Petting zoo and pony rides. I need people. (laughs) need people. I need your help. Invite Um, people to come on out. The forums are back over there. There's no cost for any of this. We just want the people to come on out and to be here. And then you're going to tell them about next Sunday? The baskets and... Oh, okay. Okay, so if you want to help fill eggs, awesome. Also, next weekend, we're doing having clothing sorters. So if anybody wants to help sort clothes at that time, let me know. The Sunday after Easter Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to have an option there at the, at the Easter egg event um, for people to register for Easter baskets for their children if need be. We're going to have a couple of examples out there so they can see it's not just like a little dollar store thing. It's, they're going to be nice baskets to bring them back out. So Easter Sunday will be the Sunday they must come here, choose their way, and join us for service to pick up their baskets. It's not going to be so a basket of some peeps and a chocolate bar. No. Ugh. We're, no. we're talking about classy baskets that they're going to say, oh, we classy, want one of those. Classy baskets. That's good. Yeah, so they'll, they'll come out again the next Sunday. So we got mm-hmm. lots of stuff going on. If, if any of this sounds like something you're like, hey, I can do it, I would love to have face painted. I need somebody else for the pon- to, to help man the pony rides. You're not going to, like, walk the pony. You just got to be there. Um, registration booths, all kinds of little things. I just need some extra hands because I only mm-hmm. have two, and one's usually taken. So let me know. Sound good? Yeah, that's it. April 9th. The goal here is to get people to come on out to church. So the whole thing, if they're going to come out for an egg hunt, but then we want to give them an appeal to come out on the following Sunday which is Resurrection Sunday. A lot of people go to church on Resurrection Sunday. So, and we're going to be using terminology we don't usually use here, like Easter. <laughs> All right? We know that term is not the best term, to, but it's okay. That's what they understand. We're going to use that. We want to show them some, some Easter baskets. We want to give them some reasons for them to come out here on Sunday, on that particular Sunday, and to, to be part of it. So, uh, if you know some folks have kids, give them some of the registration cards. Point them to the Facebook page, whatever it is that you want to do. We want as many as we can. If we need more than 2,000 eggs, we'll get more than 2,000 eggs. But we're going to go in with about 2,000 filled. And uh, as we can go, we can probably still fill you know, a couple of hundred of the empty ones, refill them with some other stuff. But here's what's, what's going on. So y'all can be a part of this. We want you to be a part of this. See you, Alyssa, today. If you haven't jumped in and become part of any, any aspect of this, this is for the ninth. 
This is on a Sunday. You're not coming out on an extra day. You just uh, go out and get something to eat and come on back. And there, there's a possibility we will have the end times class there. We'll go over that with the end times people uh, when they come on out. We may still do the class from, uh, new, uh, from, um, uh, for at least a short part, but we may just cancel it. We'll, just, we'll talk about that as we, we get to the class folks uh, together for that. All right. Did you mention that brother Yeah, I believe Brother, brother Jolly mentioned it a lot. <laughs> yeah, he did a, did a nice job with that. But the building fund is going up. It's, I don't think he said the amount. We're up to 2100 so far. And uh, glory to God, we're going to get ready, get a new building. We're going to do new stuff. Glory to God. It's going to be, going to be good. All right. Have, uh, don't forget, next Sunday, tell me, remind me to tell you the story of someone whose bad beliefs almost kept an entire church out from getting a, belief, uh, a new building. All right. Someone's bad beliefs almost kept an entire church from getting a new building. So remind me about that. I should remember. I was supposed to tell you today. I didn't remember. Hopefully I remember here next time. All right. Have a blessed day. We'll see somebody here at 1 o'clock, but uh, minister to some of the folks that are